Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I'm Pastor John. The ministry of Headed Home is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face our last. Join us as we find and answer the tough questions and remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. We could just get a stool, sit down, and do the music and this instead of running back and forth. I guess it's a little old fashioned, but that's Well, I welcome you all tonight. Uh, like I said, we need to pray for our pastor and family. They're under the weather, but uh, God will restore and bring them back. Hopefully, he'll be back Wednesday. I can't get enough to drink with my throat and the dry stuff, so y'all forgive me if I keep drinking water and leave that cap off. I don't have to deal with that every time, but all right. This morning uh, we talked about the, the coming of peace. Obviously, it was during our, our Advent, our second Sunday of Advent, and obviously that coming of peace was the coming, the birth of Christ. Uh, you know, being that uh, he was born to be attacking something. Situation, his, his, he paid the debt that we couldn't pay for ourselves, and uh, he brought peace back into the world that uh, we couldn't have for ourselves because of the divide we have between us and God, based on what uh, you know Adam and Eve did in the garden. Well, tonight we're going to talk about the other end of the spectrum. We're going to go and talk about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, this will be the second coming. So. Our scripture today will be out of, uh, or tonight will be out of Second Thessalonians. Actually, we're going to look at the whole second chapter. Uh, so um, I'll uh, let you guys sit for that. I won't let you stand or ask you to stand for the length of that. But um, what kind of got me into this is not too long ago, um, I got one of Jonathan's Bible texts in the morning. And uh, it was actually Second Thessalonians 2.11 out of this uh chapter, and it said this, it says, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, and that just kind of hit me that morning, and I got to thinking about that, and everything going on in the world, and I, you know, that's pretty powerful, so I got to, to looking at the whole chapter, and kind of breaking it down, and studying it, and I just really got a lot out of that chapter, and I really feel like it was pertaining to what's going on around us today right before our eyes. And so I really want to talk about that some more. You know, uh, if we look in the news and social media, like I talked about this morning, or, you know, out on the streets, people are getting more and more aggressive towards us as Christians and what we believe and what we stand for. But, you know, Christ told us this would happen. And uh, it is actually playing out right before our eyes. It's a sad thing, but... You know, he said in John 15, 18, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. And that's ever so true, you know. Um, you look at what they did to Christ while he was here and, and persecuted him, uh, and that was for a reason. They felt like they were driving out him and getting him out of the way when actually they wasn't. They were just fulfilling what God's plan was. So we need to keep that in mind. But as we look, you know, tonight... You know, there's definitely a spirit at work in the world around us. And the problem is, it's not the Holy Spirit. 
And so, uh, you know, they're really trying to undermine and destroy everything God did through his son to establish that reconnection, that covenant, or the uh, reconciliation that uh, occurred when Jesus did what he did on the cross between us and God. They're really trying to undermine that. They are in rebellion. Uh, It's taking place not only outside of the church, but it's also taking place inside the church. This is the sad part about it. Uh, You know, if you look at... um, uh, what's going on, not only, you know, through the church body and how they're uh, starting to allow uh, homosexuality uh, pastors, you know, to, to come in and, you know, living the homosexual lifestyle and these other different lifestyles are allowing this stuff to come in and, and uh, infiltrate the church as normal. And we know that that's not the case. That doesn't line up with Scripture. And we need to make sure that what we do and say and believe lines up with Scripture. And so, anyway, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to get into our Scripture tonight because it's going to take a little while. But this is Second Thessalonians chapter 2. It says, The man of lawlessness, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our <clears throat> being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed, by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And when the lawless lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness uh, deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to who love the truth and so be saved. For this reason, God sends him a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie. And so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. <clears throat> but we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit through belief in the truth. He called you to his uh, called you called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm, hold fast in the teaching we pass on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loves us and by His grace gave by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Encourage your hearts and strength. Strengthen you in every good deed and word. Father, we just uh, 
That's a lot to, to digest, and we just pray that you would just help us to just dissect it and get from it what you want us to get, Lord. Help us to understand that uh, in a way that only you can, and uh, help us to apply it to our lives, Father, that we might take it forward and to help those around us, Father. We know that times are going to get bad. They're already getting bad. We see the signs every day around us, Lord, and you tell us to keep watch until when we see the signs to get ready and to know that the time is coming, Lord, but just uh, give us the strength that only you can, and we know that we can do all things through you, Father, and just help us to accomplish the will that you want us to accomplish. It's these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that was a lot. Uh, I know that, <clears throat> but I uh, kind of had to read the whole thing to keep it in context. <clears throat> and, um, you know, uh, it... We talked about this a lot in our class back there. That's kind of where a lot of this is coming from that I'm, I'm going to pass on to you. But the first point I want to pass on is to stand fast against the rebellion because it's coming. Uh, you know, they are attacking Christianity more and more. They are wanting to take God out of everything they can take God out of because that, that brings judgment and, and guilt and conviction upon them. So they're wanting to remove him not only from schools, but from just everything. They don't want you to be able to pray at ball games, uh, do anything like that. So the more they can remove God, they feel like the more that that is, uh, that they're winning, you know, because like I said, it takes the conviction away from them. Well, that's where we step in, you know. We have to uh, make sure that we don't give in and, and make sure we don't, um, come in, I guess, act like we're weak. God doesn't want us to be weak. He wants us to be bold. Uh, you know, if you look at Paul and, and the way they lived their lives and all the disciples, you know, none of them, all but one, died a natural death. <clears throat> and they were tortured. And, you know, they were killed badly for their beliefs. And they did not die for the lie. They died for the truth. And so that's what God wants us is, you know, this life is but a short life. You know, and no matter if we live 120 years, it's still short compared to eternity. And we need to be worried more about our eternal life than we are this life we have here on earth. But if we look back at verses 1 through 3, um, we uh, can look at Paul is addressing that there was some misinformation about the coming of Christ going around. And this misinformation supposedly came from him and... Uh, he was just wanting to clarify that, that it basically didn't. So we just can't listen to what others say. And we need to be make sure that we're connected to the body. We're in prayer. You know, we're making sure that the Holy Spirit is guiding us. Or we will end up being part of the rebellion. You know, because uh, if you look on social media and just the news in general, um, do they... Do they have to tell the truth about people all the time? No, they don't. People can be convicted in social media without even being guilty. I mean, all they got to do is say it and say it enough, and then people believe it. So they're guilty. Just what's that? Yes, yes. There, there. You don't even have to be guilty anymore to be convicted. You know, because if enough people believe that you're guilty, well, guess what? You're guilty. So uh, we don't need to go down that road, but that's the road they're wanting to drag us down. And, you know, the, the media nowadays, our mainstream media, they just, you know, they keep pumping out the lies, and if they say it enough, then it becomes the truth, even though it's not, and we know this. So we don't want to be part of the, rip, the rebellion. And if we look all through the Bible, 
you know, I had a lot of examples, and I'm going to keep that short, but, uh, you know, all throughout the Bible we see how people rebelled against God and how they tried to go and live their own way, and they, they didn't want God's judgment upon them. Well, they brought ju God's judgment upon themselves in doing so, but what I'm going to look at right now is about the rebellion within the church. And, you know, we really have a lot of, of churches that are struggling um, attendance, uh, we're struggling keeping the youth, we're struggling with, you know, all these different things. I found this uh, statistic, and I thought I would kind of read some of it to you guys because I thought it was interesting. But this is a uh, survey from uh, Protestant pastors and their concerns for the Christian church in the United States. And their number one concern, 72%, said that their number one concern was the watering down of the gospel that was being teached. And, you know, we see it, you know, if you listen to the, the um, TV evangelists, you know, they're going to tell people what they want to hear. That's actually down here on this list, prosperity gospel teachings. We see that a lot on our online or, or, or the uh, TV evangelists because they're wanting those donations to come in. So they're going to tell people what they want to hear. God wants you to be rich, okay? Give me $20, you know, and that's just the way it is. Uh, the second thing that they were worried, most worried about is the culture's shift to secular age. And I think we can see this a lot in uh, especially the bigger churches. I think, you know, you see more of a rock concert going on than a worship service. You know, they're, they're wanting to entertain people more than they are and lead them in worship. And that's people want to be entertained. Our attention spans are short nowadays. They're getting shorter, and we just want to be entertained and go home just like we would be going to a rock concert, and that's not the way God wants it. You know, you look at the people that sat, you know, listening to Jesus hours on end, you know, days on end. You know, they didn't have guitars and pianos and all that behind them lead music. They were just listening to the truth, and that's what, that's what draws people in is the truth. Uh, this is the third thing is poor discipleship uh, training. You know, we're bringing people in and we're running them through the waters, but what are we doing after? You know, when they go out into the world and we, we lose them because they don't have the training to withstand the arrows that are getting thrown at them. So we need to do a better job at training these younger Christians and how to sustain and be there to the end. You know, I could read on and on addressing complex social issues we talked about. You know, the different lifestyles coming into the church is a bad thing. Prosperity gospel teachings. Reaching a younger audience, to me, is the most devastating. Because I, me being involved with the youth years, I guess over 20 years now, um, you know, it warms my heart to see the ones that I had 20 years ago that have their own families and having kids and, and doing well. You know, I've seen them grow. But I've seen so many just walk away and never come back. And then that's, that's going to be the downfall of the church. That's just my opinion. But I think we're going to be aged out. I think we're not going to sustain enough young people in the church. And once we're all gone, it's gone. That's just my opinion. But I believe it to be the truth. And I, I hope God can, can use us to ignite a revival in our young people. Um, another thing is our political polarization in the country. You know, this country has come down not whether you're an American, but whether you're a Democrat or Republican. And that's wrong, you know. 
but we, we should we should come together. Now, I agree with Jonathan. I think our political beliefs need to line up with our Christian beliefs, but that's between you and God. So I'm not going to preach or harp on that, but we need to come together and be one body again, and I don't know how we're going to be able to do that unless we humble ourselves before God and cry out and let him show us the way and the path. But there, there's, I mean, more uh, church burnout with leadership. We're seeing that more often. Uh, changing attitudes towards evangelism. People feel like they shouldn't or don't need to be telling people about the gospel. So just on and on and on. I'm not going to read all of those, but we're not going down the right road if we're not addressing some of these problems, and I believe some of them we're just not. But anyway, I don't want to be uh, harping on that, but we need to work focus on the rebellion which is inside the church, and that kind of tells you a little bit of what people are concerned about. But the rebellion is real, and the more we lose our youth, like I said, uh, to the draw of the world, then we allow our technology and our social media to distract us from the mission at hand, the worse the rebellion will become. You know, this online stuff, we've been able to reach people that wouldn't be able to come in here and hear the gospel. It's a great thing. It's a great avenue. But it can also be a hindrance because people don't need to be isolated. I think we found out during the COVID uh, deal that, you know, the isolation was almost worse than the disease itself or COVID itself. And I mean, trust me, I'm not minimizing that. I know we lost a lot of people. And it, it was a bad deal, but we don't need to be isolating people. God wants us to come together and to grow and to carry each other's burdens, and that's what we need to do. As a body, you know, we have a responsibility to lift each other up and to carry those burdens, and we can't do that if we're isolated. So uh, we don't need to let people get cut off. Um, I watch a lot of wildlife programs. I just I love the, you know, shows uh, that talk, you know, where they're out in the safaris and they, you know, watching the lions and all the animals and stuff. I just love that kind of stuff. I love going to the zoo. But my point is, is if you look at the predators and the way they hunt, that's exactly how they do it. They find the weakest and they cut it off from the rest of the herd. And then that's when they count on it. It's exactly what Satan is doing. It's no secret. It's, 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 <laughs> It's right there before us. It's just uh, 101 and how to hunt, you know. And so him and his minions are trying to isolate our weakest and pouncing on them, and we don't need to allow that to happen. But our second point is lawlessness is no mystery. If we look at verse 3b, what's that, 4, I mean, I'm sorry, 7a, you know, uh, Paul is saying that... Uh, Jesus will not be coming until the rebellion has come and the man of lawlessness is revealed. But the mystery of lawlessness is already at work and has been since Christ arose. Now, if you look at the word mystery here, it's not referring to some kind of riddle or a puzzle. What it's referring to is something that God will reveal. And so uh, he will reveal this when he is ready. Uh, Aaron and Tammy and, and we have all, I went through the Revelation study with the youth and Aaron and Tammy last year went through uh, the book of Daniel and they're doing other stuff on the prophets uh, this year um, but uh, you know it says that the, the, there was terrible things happening in Revelation and I kept saying to myself you know why would these people not repent 
you know, all this bad stuff, all these plagues, everything God was heaping on them. And I know some people do come uh, and get saved during uh, Revelation, but you would think that the masses would be flocking to God, you know, when all this bad stuff's being hurled at them. And actually, it was just the opposite. And, you know, I got to asking myself, how do they get to that point where they don't even want to be saved? They don't even want help. And, and basically, you know, it's the culmination of the evil that resides in their heart, obviously, but it's the turning away from God that God gives them over to their own desires, and then God flat out says, okay, you want it, you can have it. You, you want to believe the lie, believe the lie. And, you know, we're in a society when, you know, people would rather murder their children than, uh, you know, take responsibility for their actions. And that's just something, you know, I, that, I can't fathom that. So it's not hard to believe that we're not far off from the point about Revelation, you know, coming to fruition and happening. You know, uh, we talk all the time about whether we're pre-trib, mid-trib, or post-trib, and, you know, we all agree that it don't really matter as long as we, you know, get raptured out. But, uh, you know, in verse 4, it says he will oppose and he will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself as God. You know, the world so badly wants God to be replaced because they think that that would stop their conviction like I was saying a while ago and that, uh, you know, that comes from the name of Jesus that they want almost this man of lawlessness to reign so that they will have excuse for their actions. And, you know, that's just uh, the world is evil, and it's inventing ways to be evil. It's new ways to be evil. And so uh, I think they want God out of the way, and they want this Antichrist to be. It won't take much for them to exalt him, to, you know, where we're at right now. You know, verse 9 through 12, you know, talks a lot about uh, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance to how Satan works and will display uh, the powers and signs and wonders. You know what I thought about is, you know, think of all the technology that is coming about right now. You know, the AI stuff that they are working on and they have perfected and they're making even better. You can make anything look real nowadays. It's not going to be that hard for, for Satan or the Antichrist or anybody to make this stuff look believably real. You know, that's to the point what we have come to. So it, we're not far off, and that's that's a pretty frightening thing. Um, but they reject God, and they uh, and He gave them over to what they want. My third and final thing I want to talk about is flat out: God is bigger. You know, God is just definitely bigger. If we read verse six again. It says, and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at that proper time. Um, no, matter, no matter how bad it looks, God is still in control. He always has been, always will be. You know, like we talked about this morning, you know, God was the same in Micah's day as he was when Jesus was born, as he is the same as he is today. So we don't need to be worried about what God can handle. You know, God is the one orchestrating this, not Satan, not the lawless one. They are but pawns in God's grand scheme or his chessboard that he is playing. You know, this is the thing that gets me is if we read verse 7. For the secret power of lawless is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so until he 
is taken out of the way. So it says that um, he basically, um, let me get something else here. All right, let me just, I'm going to talk, I'm, I'll be wanting to throw this out. Think about this. So the Holy Spirit obviously is the one God is holding back the lawlessness. He's holding back the lawless man. So until the day that the that he is taken out. Where does the Holy Spirit reside? In our hearts. So when we're raptured out, who else gets raptured out? That's my belief that we're pre-trib. Because We've got to be taken out of the way to get the Holy Spirit out of the way so that God can let all this loose. Does that make sense? I mean, that's, to me, that I, I, we, we talk about that a lot out there, and I just think that that's, that's exciting. Uh, but, you know, I don't know about you, like I said, I don't want to be here. <laughs> I mean, I don't, if my family's here, I obviously want to be here for my family, but I hope all of my family is with me and we're gone. And then they can do whatever they want to do, is what my opinion is. But God is still in control. You know, 13 through 17 basically says that, you know, um, and we need to be encouraged that uh, God is bigger than anything that Satan can throw at us. He's bigger than anything that the man of lawlessness can throw at us. Uh, any of this lawlessness itself, you know, no matter how much this world wants to try to attack us, you know, God tells us, don't be scared of the one that can kill the body. Be worried about the one who can kill the soul. Just keep your eyes on God. All that matters, okay? Because when he wins, we win. And uh, never mind the circumstances, he is in control. And I'm going to basically leave it at that. And I hope that's giving you guys something to think about. Um, kind of something at last minute. And I know that Jonathan hopes to be back Wednesday and we can get back in uh, and uh, get everybody back you know, healthy and then moving towards Christmas and then we'll uh, go from there. But so let's close with a word of prayer and then I'll say anything. Father God, we just thank you knowing that you are bigger than anything. Father, that uh, nothing escapes you, uh, your grasp. Nothing escapes, uh, it catches you by surprise, Father. You, you were there even before we get there. Uh, you're in our yesterday, our today, and our tomorrow, Father. And we just... Uh, Know that uh, if we just keep our eyes upon you and stay focused upon you, that we can't fail. Uh, our, this body might be hurt, but it'll, the, the pain will be temporary, uh, but the reward will be uh, ever eternal and uh, we everlasting. And we just uh, know that you want us to, to, to have a better day ahead, and those days will be at your feet worshiping you for all eternity. Lord, and we'll be there before we know it. And we thank Jesus Christ for what he's done for us on the cross and for paying that price that we can pay for ourselves. And these things we ask in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Headed Home with Pastor John. If you'd like to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit our website at longviewbaptistchurch.org and click our contact link. Thank you for joining us.